So have any of you ever seen something that you once thought was impossible become possible? I mean, like, could you imagine the guys who saw the Wright brothers with their flying invention? And suddenly for the first time, they saw that man, which never could fly before, could actually fly. I can imagine them thinking in awe, what on earth is going on? That the people who watch Roger Bannister, for those of you who know Roger Bannister, is he's the guy who broke the four-minute mile. Everybody said it was impossible to run a mile under four minutes until Roger Bannister did it. And everybody was in awe because they thought it was impossible. And what was impossible suddenly had become possible. When I was a kid, I used to watch a show uh, back in the UK called Record Breakers. And this show was all about, uh, uh, it came out every week, it was all about people who could break records in the Guinness World Book of Records. And so every week, they would have different people come on the show, try to break a world record. There'd be people who like go in a tank of water, and they would try to hold their breath as long as they could and break a world record. There'd be people who like spinning plates, break the world record for the amount of spinning plates. There'd be people who like skip and, you know, how many skips they could do, like got a soccer ball, keepy-uppy with a soccer ball. And so I would watch this every week and I couldn't wait to get to, to actually like see the program because it was like in awe that somebody was doing what nobody had ever been able to do before. When we first started this church, there was a, a, a guy who came to our church where we were in the basement of somebody's house, and his name was Rob Anderson. Some of you know Rob. Rob uh, now is a magician in Las Vegas, and uh, he moved out there to pursue his dream of becoming a magician. And uh, when I first met Rob, uh, one of the times he came over to our house, we had a, a small group at our house, and Rob, I, I didn't really know him, and all I heard is he did some magic tricks. And so, he did this trick on me, and it was just this card trick, and I can't remember what he did. But all I knew, my reaction, because I had seen magicians on TV, and you'd seen, like, the, the clown who was really scary when your kid pull a rabbit out of a hat and things like that when you went to, like, birthday parties. But I'd never seen someone so up, up close actually do, like, a magic trick like he had done it. So Rob did this magic trick on me, and I, I was in awe because I could not believe he did it. Now, for those of you who remember the David Blaine show, like that weird, really weird guy and stuff, well, he would go around the, the, the streets of New York, and uh, he would do a magic trick, and then once he did it, you saw all these people, they would take their left hand, they would like hold it to their mouth, they would take their right hand, and they would do this, and they would be like, oh, no, no, he did it, oh, man, like that. And they, so they would do that, and I found myself, I was in my house, and I had my mouth over my, 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 my hand over my mouth, and my hand go, no way, no, you didn't. Like this, because I was in awe because he was doing something that I thought was impossible become possible. But now I know Rob and he wasn't some superhuman being. He was just an illusionist and he fooled me. But when we see something that was previously impossible become possible, there is an awe about it. Now, when Jesus walked this earth, 
There was an awe about Jesus. For Jesus did things that were impossible. People looked at Jesus and saw the things he did, and they realized that what he was doing was not possible in the natural sense. You see, Jesus healed sick people when the doctors said there was no hope. Jesus rose people from the dead after they were already stone cold dead. Jesus would deliver people from evil spirits when they'd been dealing with these things all their lives. Jesus even fed multiples of people with little food and he made them full. Everything that Jesus did, there was an awe about. And so people came to expect this awe about Jesus. Where Jesus went, there was unbelievable things that happened. However, It was when one of Jesus' disciples, one of Jesus' followers, equally did something that was impossible in the natural sense, that people started not being in awe of just Jesus, they were now in awe of people in the church as well. And this man was Peter, and I want to introduce you to Peter today. They used to call him Simon, at one time his name got changed. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, in verse 1. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to see something that Peter did that was previously impossible become possible. It says there, it says in Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was He was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. He was thinking, man, it's my lucky day. Somebody's going to give me five bucks. But Peter said to him, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Peter, in this moment, discovered that the impossible is possible when you have faith in God. I mean, think about this for the moment. There's a guy, he's a lame beggar. He's never been able to walk in his whole life. This was before they had wheelchairs, so they probably carried him on some kind of stretcher, laid him by the temple so he could beg for some money. He had never walked in his life, and something inside of Peter looked at him and says, okay, you're going to walk today. Have you ever felt like that? You know, you're like walking by a disabled person, somebody in a wheelchair, somebody who's never walked, and you're like, you know, I'm going to make that person walk today. I mean, what, what, I don't know what was going through Peter's mind, but I don't know what made him think, I can make this person walk. So he looks down at the guy, he reaches out his hand, and he says, I don't have any silver and gold, but this is what I'm going to do for you. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walk. And the guy got up and walked. Now, I don't know if any of you have had any success lately in trying to heal lame people. 
but I probably would have heard about it if you had. We all probably would have heard about it if you had. But the thing about this, Peter was a man who healed this man, this other man, through his faith in Jesus Christ. Yet Peter was not a superhuman being. Peter was not like Jesus. Jesus was God in the form of man. Jesus had the whole power of heaven, and Peter was just a guy like you and me. See, Peter was just an average fisherman. He wasn't even a preacher. He wasn't one of those prophets. He wasn't, didn't dress in the big suit and, you know, and preached and he sweated in it. And he had like a handkerchief and he wiped his forebrow, you know, and he came and lay hands on you and everyone went crazy. He wasn't that kind of guy. Peter was just an average fisherman, had an average job like you and me. But yet Peter was able to look at this guy and see something that was impossible and believe for it to become possible. Because he understood the impossible is possible through faith in God. But this wasn't Peter's defining moment. This was just a result of Peter's defining moment. Now, if I was to ask a bunch of mature Christians or people who knew the Bible a lot, what Peter's defining moment was, they would probably tell me this. They would say it's found in Matthew chapter 16. And they would say it was the moment where Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah. You see what happened? Jesus said to his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And the disciples to look back at Jesus and they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say that you're Moses, some say you're Elijah, others say you're a prophet. And Jesus looked at his disciples, he says, yeah, but who do you say I am? And something with inside of Peter blurted out, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you didn't know this by yourself. God has revealed this to you. And, and, and they used to call him Simon. And Peter looked at him and he says, no longer will you be called Simon, but now you're going to be known as Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you and my church. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And most people think that is Peter's defense defining moment in his life, but I'm here to tell you today that wasn't his defining moment. In fact, Peter's defining moment wasn't found in Matthew chapter 16. Peter's defining moment was found in Matthew chapter 14. So let's take a look. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start reading at verse 22. And this is what it said. Starts off by saying, immediately after this. Immediately after this. So, by this, we know that there was something that was going on beforehand. Well, this is what happened beforehand. Jesus has gone with his disciples to a remote area where there wasn't any shops, there wasn't any malls, wasn't any Chick fil A's, uh, you know, there wasn't any, uh, 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 there wasn't any 7 Elevens, not even some nasty gas station. It was just like in the wild, and everybody started to follow Jesus. And they looked behind, and there was about 5,000 families who had come and followed Jesus. So there's probably about 15,000 people altogether, maybe, something like that. And Jesus started teaching them, and then suddenly night started to come, and the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, you better send the people home because night is coming, we're in a remote area, and they're going to get hungry, and we've got no food to feed them. And so instead of Jesus saying, yeah, go send them home, so they get home, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, you feed them. 
And the disciples look at Jesus and think, are you crazy? Like, how are we going to feed all these people? He was like, we do not have enough food. And, uh, and even if, if we did, we don't have enough money to buy all this food for all these people. And so Jesus said, okay, go bring me what you've got. And so the disciples went around the crowd and they found out of all these people, I can't believe like people did not like have more like granola bars or Snickers bar or bananas or some sort of shake or something. I don't know. I can't believe they didn't. But all they found out amongst all these people were five little loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus was like, right, that's good enough for me. So Jesus put them in a basket and he started telling his disciples, go distribute the food to everybody. And as they started to distribute the food, then it started to multiply. And before they knew it, all 5,000 families had been fed and they were full and there was over and there was leftovers because aren't leftovers just great? I love leftovers. But there was leftovers and there was 12 baskets of leftovers left over. They had just seen Jesus do the most miraculous thing they had ever seen in their life. Jesus had just fed 5,000 families with some bread and some fish that probably wasn't enough to feed one family. The most incredible thing they'd seen Jesus do. They'd just seen the impossible become possible. And then so that, that, that's what it means by immediately after this. Then it says this, so verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So now Jesus has said to the disciples, okay, I'm going to go pray. You go home, get in the boat, go across the lake. Everybody else we're going to send home and we'll be good for the night. See, the disciples got into the boat and their, their faith was strengthened. See, when you see Jesus do something miraculous, it feels like our, our faith is strengthened. When we see God do stuff that we never thought could have been possible, our faith gets strengthened. And we think that we can take on the world. We think that nothing can stop us at all. But then... Immediately after they'd seen Jesus do the impossible, they found themselves in an impossible situation. These disciples, they'd gone onto a boat. They went to row to the other side. And the Bible says that a strong wind came. And the waves started coming and the disciples were in trouble. You see, when everything is going well, we learn very little about our faith. But when the storms of life start to rise, that's when we suddenly find out how strong our faith really is. See, anyone can believe in Jesus when Jesus is doing a miracle. But it's when the storms of life come in the dark of the night and it feels like Jesus isn't even there. That's when we know if we have real faith in Jesus or not. So notice what happened here. Jesus said to the disciples, you go that way, I'm going this way. What I find amazing about this story is the disciples were okay with that. 
I think if the disciples were look to, to look back, they would realize, I'm not going to go anywhere if Jesus isn't with us. You know, Moses in the Old Testament, he says, God, I, we are not going to move anywhere unless you go with us. But the disciples had forgotten that Jesus was the Son of God, that who Jesus was. And they let the Son of God go off by himself while they went on their own. How often do we do that? How often in life do we go off and we're okay with Jesus not being with us? That we try to do things by ourselves and Jesus isn't beside us. How often do, do we find that life is okay because we think we have it handled? Remember, these were fishermen. They knew how to sail a boat. They knew how to row a boat. They had seen the biggest waves. They had seen the toughest winds, and they had lived to tell the story. If anybody could handle a storm, if anyone could handle a boat, it was the disciples. Why did they need Jesus? In fact, if Jesus went in the boat, then shouldn't Jesus need them? Because Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. They were fishermen. They knew how to sail through the storms. But that's when I've realized that often Jesus lets us go it alone ourselves. And we find that in the safest place in life, suddenly our life is blown up. And we suddenly realize that we need Jesus. See, there's times in life when everything is going great. And we don't think we need Jesus. And sometimes we don't even realize that Jesus isn't with us. And a night without Jesus can become your worst nightmare, even in the place that you feel safest. See, we get so comfortable at times because we think we have it handled. We think we can do it ourselves. You know, Last, uh, just before Christmas last year, I met with some of the leaders of the church. And I, and I said this, I said, I think that we need to rely on Jesus a little bit more at Generation Church. I said, I think we've got it handled. We know how to do Sunday morning church. We can get a band together. We can play some songs. We can say a prayer. We can give some announcements. We can preach a sermon. We know how to do that. I don't think we need Jesus for that. I said, we, we can do kids' ministry. We, we can do, put on a nursery and a preschool and an elementary. We can have things for youth. We can uh, have events like the full, uh, full bash and the spring fiesta. We can do that. We don't need Jesus to do that. We know how to do that ourselves. I said, I think we need to find some things that we rely on Jesus, and we know that we can't do it ourselves. I was talking with, with Ken, our, our worship leader, and uh, we, we were discussing just some things in our service. We need to create some space for Jesus. So that stuff that we know that we can't handle ourselves. And I challenge our, our leaders that in our every area of, of this church, we need to do things where we're relying on Jesus and we're not relying in our own strength. And so the disciples were in a boat in a place that they felt safest, and then suddenly they feel helpless. Because this wasn't just any storm. This was the storm. It was like the perfect storm. It was a storm where they were thinking, okay, this is it. It's all over. And it was at this moment that they probably suddenly realized that Jesus was not with them. This is what I find amazing. 
The Bible says that Jesus went up to the hills to pray. Jesus, from a distance, could have seen that storm. If Jesus was God, then Jesus probably would have known that that storm was coming. But Jesus was okay in letting the disciples get in a boat, knowing that a storm was going to come. In fact, Jesus could have looked from a distance, and he could have calmed the seas and the waves and kept them out of danger. But he didn't. This is what happened. Matthew 14, verse 24. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble from a far away uh, from far away from land, and a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Then it says, and about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came walking towards them. Think, Jesus had just told them to get in the boat as night was approaching. So night was probably, what, 8, 8.30 at night? And now it's 3.30 in the morning, and Jesus has only just arrived. How many times have we felt like that, that we go through a storm in life, we go through issues in life, and Jesus isn't there, and it's like taking an age, and I feel like Jesus is just not showing up. About 3 in the morning, so Jesus left them on their own through this storm through a long, long time. About 3 in the morning, it says, Jesus came walking towards them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he says, take courage, I am here. See, Jesus didn't calm this storm from a distance because this storm was an opportunity for Jesus to show the disciples the real power of Jesus. This storm was meant to increase the disciples' faith, and in order to do that, they had to feel helpless. And there's times in our lives that we will feel helpless. We'll feel without hope, like we're losing hope, and God is okay with that. Because it's in those times that we suddenly realize the real power of Jesus. See, not all storms are meant to destroy you. Not all storms are meant to destroy you. Some storms in life are sent to strengthen you and to encourage you. So here we are. It's the middle of the night. The boat is about to capsize. The wind and the waves are coming over. And then in a distance, there's a guy walking on the water. And if the pictures of Jesus are real, like he's got a white robe, long hair flowing, then I'm thinking, what is coming towards me? They thought he was a ghost. And if I'm them, I'm the first one to hide down in the bottom of the boat. I'll be honest. I'm like, I'll be down there. I'm like, okay, Jesus, it's time to come home to you right now. I mean, think about it. It's like a scene from the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. I mean, there's crazy, all this craziness and, and you know, and, uh, and, and then something comes walking on the water. There's maybe a sea serpent that comes out. Some guy's eyeball drops to the floor. I mean, you can just imagine the craziness that is going on on this boat. And it's amazing what Jesus says. Jesus looks at them and says, do not fear. I mean, like, is Jesus having a laugh or what? How can they not be afraid? I mean, their life is in danger. They think they see a ghost. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Take courage, for I am here. And that's often what Jesus will do in your life. 
It feels like the storms of life are just coming over you. The waves are coming over your head. It feels like you can't keep your head above water anymore. And then suddenly Jesus appears and he says, don't fear, take courage, for I am here. And this is the moment when Peter's defining moment came. Verse 28, it says then, then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter's one of those guys who speaks before he thinks. He says, okay, Jesus, if it's really you, then tell me to come. He's thinking, Jesus isn't going to ask me to come walking on the water. Jesus isn't going to do this. And then he's probably thinking, well, if it is Jesus, I'm going to be saved. If it's not Jesus, I'm going to die anyway. So let's go out in a blaze of glory, right? See, in this moment, Peter tests Jesus. Did you know it's okay to test God? It's okay to put God to the test when it comes to matters of faith. Actually, the book of Malachi tells us that God said to the people of Israel to test him in the matter of tithes and offerings because the people weren't giving unto God. They were keeping everything for themselves. They weren't giving to the temple. And Jesus and God said to them, he says, he says that you have failed God in this. Now give of your tithes and your offerings to God. Test me in this and see how I will bless you. And in this moment, Peter tests Jesus. But it's okay to test Jesus. But the amazing thing is this, is Jesus responded to the test. I think Jesus was one of the guys, sometimes we make him out to be like this this coward or this real nice, softly spoken, I love you kind of guy. But I think Jesus was like game for anything. And look at this. This is what Jesus says. Verse 29. Jesus said, yes, come. I bet Peter's thinking, what on earth did I just say? So Peter, I don't know what he was thinking, but he went over the side of the boat and he started to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? So Peter starts to get over the boat. And he starts to walk on water. I wonder what that felt like. I mean, you and me know, we know that you cannot walk on water. Gravity will pull you down. Your weight is more than waters. And so you're going to fall. But yet, Peter starts walking on water. In this moment, Peter starts realizing that the impossible is possible with God. And then, the Bible says that the strong winds and the waves caught Peter's eyes. You notice, Jesus didn't calm the storm before Peter got out the boat. I think so often we think that it was just all calm. Jesus came, it was calm. And he's like, come on, Peter, let's just show a party trick, you know, on the water. But no, Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the storm. And he started walking on water in the middle of the storm. And I tell you today, God will not always calm your storm until you make that act of of faith, that step of faith. And sometimes you have to get out of the boat while the storm is still raging. 
And you will then see that the impossible is possible with God. And so he's looking at Jesus. He's keeping his eyes on Jesus. Suddenly the wind comes and he takes his eyes off Jesus. And what happens? He starts to sink. See, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you understand that the impossible is possible with faith in God. But when you take your eyes off Jesus, you understand you are now under the laws of nature and of physics. You're now not under the laws of the kingdom of God. And so often in our lives, we will do that. We'll trust in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. But our eyes are more on the storm than they are on Jesus. And then we start to sink. And then Jesus came and he took Peter by the hand. He lifted him up. He put him back in the boat. And then he says to Peter, Peter, you have so little faith. Peter had the faith to get out of the boat, but Peter didn't have the faith to keep his eyes on Jesus during the storm. And I tell you today, that's what Jesus wants. He wants you to get out of the boat in the middle of the storm, and while the storm is raging, keep your eyes focused on him. See, faith is walking on water in the middle of the storm. Then this is what happened. It says that when they got back in the boat, in verse 32, they climbed back into the boat. The wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Notice here, the wind did not stop until they got back in the boat. And some of you, you've been going through a storm in your life and you've been praying and you've been asking God and you've been hoping that the wind and the waves will stop in your life. Well, sometimes it takes an act of faith before the wind and the waves will stop. You see, anybody, they're they're, they're thinking a magician can do a party trick like feed 5,000 people. You know, we can believe in God when, when everything is nice and we don't really need food, but God provides food. We, we, we love to believe in God when we're blessed, but God keeps piling the blessings on. But when we see God do the impossible, when we feel helpless and we feel hopeless, then our strength is, it becomes stronger, our faith becomes stronger. And we can then start to believe God for anything. See, Peter, that day, he discovered that anything is possible to those who believe. See, the word impossible does not belong in the kingdom of God. It just belongs here in our natural world. Because in the kingdom of God, nothing is impossible. See, Peter was able to to look at a lame man and tell him, get up in the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth and walk. Because that day, Peter realized that greater is the one that lives in him than the one who lives in the world. Peter was able to look at the lame man and he says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because he realized that he was an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Peter was able to look at the lame man and tell him to get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because he realized that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lived in him. See, the power that Jesus has, Jesus says, now I give unto you. And it was through this moment 
This defining moment where Peter realized that impossible is not a word in the kingdom of God. That then Peter was able to walk on water. But then Peter was able to declare that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah. That Peter was able to pray and wait and hope for the Holy Spirit. That Peter was able to preach to thousands upon thousands and that they would find life in Jesus Christ. It was through this defining moment that Peter was able to walk before kings and tell them that they needed God. He was able to sit in a prison cell and believe that God was going to break him out of prison. He was able to come and pray bold prayers in the middle of persecution, all because in this moment he discovered that the impossible is possible with faith in God. Maybe you'll go through life right now and you feel that you can just do it. You can do it by yourself. You're breezing through your career. You're finding parenting easy. Your marriage is going great. Maybe you've got money in the bank account. You know, you're, 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 you're the picture of full health and you think, I've got everything going. I can do everything myself. Maybe that's you today. Don't be surprised if a storm starts to blow up in your life. Maybe you're in this, a point in your life right now where there is a storm that is arising in your life and fear is gripping you and you're losing hope and you feel helpless. Maybe that storm has come for a reason not to destroy you but to build you up and make you stronger. Maybe those moments when you feel out of control have come so God can become in control. Maybe you feel like you're losing your grip so you can take your hand off your situation and put your hand on Jesus instead. Whatever storm you may be going through today, Jesus is there. And he says, do not fear, take courage, for I'm here. Jesus is here to calm the storm. And you serve a God this morning that not just is able to provide food to 5,000 people. Not just do a nice little party trick. You serve a God who the winds and the waves obey him. And no matter what you're going through in this life, no matter what situation or storm that you may be facing, you serve a God who will be able to take you above the waves, above the winds, and he'll be able to speak to that situation, that storm, and calm all of your fears, calm your worries, and calm that storm. See, nothing is impossible to those who believe. And that impossible situation that you may find yourself when you seek the kingdom of God first, it becomes very, very possible. Do not fear. For Jesus says, I'm here. And while the storm is raging all around, he will show and he says, just come. Make that step of faith and come. Come follow me and I will show you how the word impossible is really possible in the kingdom of God.